Hi, and you're listening to the Beer and Eggs Podcast. I'm Jessica, and I'm here with my husband, Ryan. We're back again. And we're back at it. <laughs> and um, in this episode, we're going to read Luke 15. Luke chapter 15, yep. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country, and go after the one that is lost, until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents." And he said, A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that is coming to me. And so he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey to a distant country. And there he squandered his estate in wild living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began doing without. He went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him in into his fields to feed the pigs. And he longed to have his fill of the carob pods that the pigs were eating, and no one was giving him anything. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired laborers have more than enough bread, but I am dying here from hunger. I will set out and go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired laborers. So he set out and came to his father. But when he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and bring the fattened calf, slaughter it, and let's eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead, and had come to life again. He was lost, and has been found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants, and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in, and his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, Look, for so many years I have been serving you, and I have never neglected a command of yours, and yet you never gave me a young goat, so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you have always been with me. And all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live. And he was lost and has been found. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So 
I have to bring this up. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you had already deleted your Facebook, but it was right in the middle of when the like purge. Black Lives Matter was like all over the internet. Oh. Is that when I deleted um, my Facebook? I think it was right after you deleted your Facebook. Okay. But everyone was using the parable of the lost sheep to try to say that we should think about black lives more. Do you remember that? I think no. I showed it to you. Anyway, there is this there is this like meme or whatever. I just remember the rioting and they're like it's just like when Jesus went into the temple and flipped tables. And I was like, no. Oh no, that's a separate one. It's not even close. But So the okay. parable of the lost sheep it was really, really strange, and it it just kind of made me sad because they're like, "Oh, well, Jesus left the ones that were okay, and went to go get the one that wasn't okay." So we should stop thinking about white lives and start thinking about black lives that are in danger. And I'm like, "You can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that with scripture. That's not what this verse, this passage is about. This passage is about Jesus saving sinners." Yes. I'm not saying that we can't care about people, but you can't try to use... There's plenty of verses in the Bible that you can use to back up and justify caring about people. This, I don't know why they would pick this one, but it was just really interesting. And I remember sharing it, like a a video of Ali Bestecki explaining why that's not what this verse means. Mm Mm-hmm. And one person commented and they're like, oh, I see what she's saying, but, you know, I think you could also use it this way. And it just, I don't know, it just made me sad because I'm like, you can't treat scripture that way. It's not like, oh, this works for me. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what objectively is this trying to tell me? Not what I, what can I use this for? (laughs) Well, yeah, I think that happens all over the Bible, right? Yeah. I mean, just look at the health and wealth gospel, or not gospel, the not health, not gospel, health and wealth thing. <laughs> yeah, the prosperity gospel. Let's not call it a gospel, I guess, but a false gospel. False gospel. Um, yeah, I mean, you can take whatever you want and twist it to your purposes, but I know in school, what they've been telling us is in order to find modern applications you have to understand what the purposes were in its original meaning mm-hmm. and why the person wrote it not necessarily have all those answers you know because there are a lot of things that we don't know why it was written specifically or what the audience why the audience needed it but there are plenty of context clues that you can use when you're mm-hmm. reading something like this um, and what it should be used for. Right. It's like we don't use Shakespeare for like our spiritual problems. You know what I mean? I don't know. Someone might out there might try. No, but yeah, what's, what's like the principle behind the passage? And then that will help you apply it in a modern context. Yeah. Within... Yeah, so there's there's a whole range like I there's a whole range of modern applications or practical applications that you can have, but it cannot contradict the historical meaning 
or the in the original context. You know what I mean? And right. it can't contradict anything else in the Bible. Right. So when the Bible talks about race, it talks about impartiality, right? You should be impartial or, yeah, impartial mm-hmm. to and kind. Well, it, yeah, it says when when dealing with people, you should be impartial to, like, ethnicity, um, like, social status, mm-hmm. all those kinds of things. Yeah, it's in the definition. Their financial partial. status, yeah. yeah. But that is definitely not what this is about at all. Right. And it's just... If you're trying to twist it into that, you know, that's just not... It's... Uh, well, I just want to know false. where it originated from, too. Like, how did someone come to that conclusion? Were they searching the Bible for something that could fit their agenda? Oh, yeah. And they just happened on this? It's a big book. Have you seen the the movie The Book of Eli? I think we've talked about this before. Yeah, so I've like seen the whole a long premise, time ago. the whole pre- the antagonist in that movie, like the whole premise is, is that he wants a copy of the Bible because he can use it to justify anything he says to do, and he'll twist it however he needs to. But he needs mm-hmm. the words he keeps saying because there's power in the words, mm-hmm. and this it's just a really it's a weird movie to begin with, but. Yeah. It's interesting that you would say that, though, because I think everyone that I saw share it was probably more leaning toward the agnostic, atheistic. So why would they? It was. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, this is something that's valuable to me that I'm sharing. It was, you Christians, if you're not going to listen to me, listen to the Bible, what it's saying. And it's like, that's actually not what well, it's saying. Well, it's the same thing <laughs> with, like, what the Bible speaks on for homosexuality. It is very clear in multiple diff- different places in the Bible on what God thinks about homosexuality. Right. Well, so, yeah. So, it's how, like you want me to listen to the Bible. Then, I I definitely do listen to the Bible. Do you? But there are people <laughs> out there that will twist it into saying whatever they want it to say, even though in other places it's completely contradictory. So, whatever applicate, whatever meaning that you come to, at the end, you should weigh it against does this work with the rest of scripture? Right. If it does, right, you move on to the next step. If it doesn't, you should probably go back and relook at why you came to that conclusion and maybe where you where you went wrong, you know? Yeah, that's what we learned in the Wayne Gruden book that we have, Systematic Theology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every time I come across this part, the parable of the lost sheep, I always think about that. <laughs> That's so weird. That's just not... <laughs> it's just like when not you... Not even close. <laughs> when you know it in its true context, it's just so far off the map of what they're trying to my, say. Here's my question. Who are these 99 righteous people that have no need of repentance? They were trying to say that was white people. No, no, no. no. Oops. I don't care about that. We're <laughs> oh, past not that. that. No. In general... Who are the righteous ones? Who are these righteous people that have no need of repentance? Um, well, I mean, he follows it later on with the parable of the prodigal son. So probably, you know, faithful followers of Christ who... I don't think so. Who are I, like, just doing what they need to do, faithfully serving. Of, we're sinners. No, well, yes, all of us you are know. sinners. So is is 
All of us at one point or another have been the lost sheep. Yes, but in relation to the beginning, when they're like, they're saying, oh, all those sinners, right? And we're, uh, hold on. So we were just talking with some Pharisees, right? Mm-hmm. And then later on, all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to Jesus to listen to him. And both Pharisees and scribes began complaining. So we have two separate groups here. We have the people who think that they're righteous. And we have the sinners. Mm-hmm. And... And they're com- the... Pharisees and, are complaining about him but, healing on the Sabbath. But the two, but the two groups here. Wh- I mean, which one do you th- you think following Jesus faithfully does that put you in? The ninety nine righteous people who have no need of repentance, well, or see, do you think you're in the group of people that God went out and saved because you're a sinner? So listen, here we go. I always jump to application too early. This is something that I'm trying to work on. Mm-hmm. Within that context. I mean, I originally was thinking of, you know, once upon a time, I was that lost sheep. Mm-hmm. Now I'm in the fold. He's got other lost sheep he's got to go get. Mm-hmm. That's where I was coming at it from. Okay. Not like, I've never sinned. <laughs> Definitely yeah. not that. So, to me, <laughs> but I... But I think I, he's I, pointing out, yeah. yeah, the Pharisee's hypocrisy again. Yeah. So I am that lost sheep. You know, I... And he came and got me. Mm-hmm. And that's how I look at this. And the lost I'm not, coin. I'm not this 99 sin. righteous people who have no need of repentance. I needed repentance. And he granted right. it to that's me. That's probably a really key part of that passage. Mm-hmm. The Pharisees probably didn't think they needed repentance. They thought they the were same, good to go. It's the same as the prodigal son, right? So there's the one that goes out and sins against his father mm-hmm. and then is invited back. And has, and I don't, this could be not quite on par. I think, I don't know, whatever. I'll just keep going. <laughs> just go for Goes it. out, right? And he gets brought back in. His father receives him, right? Mm-hmm. Even though of all the wrong that he's done. Like, that's my situation, right? Mm-hmm. This other brother thinks that he has done nothing wrong ever and says, why haven't you rewarded me? Mm, has you no know, joy and, over the fact that his brother is yeah been and to me found. because he can if he loved his brother and his father he could partake in that celebration too there's nothing mm-hmm. barring him from enjoying that celebration even though he was faithful right, right? he excludes himself he's being selfish yeah he's thinking and about that's himself. the same thing that these pharisees are doing right mm-hmm. they they know who this guy is and they hate him for it. Mm-hmm. And they exclude themselves from him. That's my thought, but... I'd say that's a really accurate reading. Yeah, like, I'm not... So the the brother is, you could say, those who are self-righteous. Yes. And the prodigal son is those who acknowledge that they have no righteousness of their own. That would hold up before God. And they well, just need seeking, his forgiveness. They're seeking forgiveness. This <laughs> right. is the big point, right? They recognize that they are sinners mm-hmm. and they have done wrong. And there is this celebration in being brought into the fold. Mm-hmm. The people who are already there 
like all the slaves that were there are celebrating with him. But this brother, this other brother is excluding. He's just excluding himself because he's so righteous, you know? And it's like, that is a clear picture to me, at least my understanding of of what these Pharisees are doing. You know, these new lost people are being brought in, healed. Sinners are and tax collectors are coming to Jesus. Like, imagine that. Mm -hmm. A huge group of sinners and tax collectors, people who you wouldn't ever see at temple or the synagogue or whatever, are coming to Jesus and hearing truth. And all you can say is, how could you ever associate with those people? Yeah. And grumbling about him healing on the Sabbath. And (laughs) trying to get him killed. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, I'd You're, say that's pretty accurate, right? Yeah. So that's what I Good see job. when I read this. I don't think I've ever heard it explained to me that way. Well, take it with a grain of salt. Because <laughs> 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 you may, I might be completely wrong. Just go to a commentary. Someone you trust. Well, I'm on Blue Letter Bible, so I don't have commentary right here. But I'll have to look into it. They're going to be like, no, actually, this is about... <laughs> Well, thank you for sharing, Ryan. Yeah. That was good. And thank you guys for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Okay. Bye. Bye.